Welcome to The Dish, a podcast about dishes and movies where your two esteemed hosts don't know too much about movies or dishes, but yet we're hosting this stupid podcast anyways. We sure are, Zach. I'm one of your hosts, Mitch. I'm the other host, Zach. <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. It's been like the same amount of time as last time that we didn't record for, I think. Wait, what? It doesn't matter. Happy happy Monday. Happy Monday. Even though this is asynchronous to when you're listening. We are back to record a podcast essentially about nothing. A podcast about a podcast. As meta and as boring as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Why are you even here, dear listener? Why are we even doing this? I'm sure you ask yourself that every day. About the podcast, not... <laughs> oh, I thought you meant about life, because that's probably true as well. I ask myself that every day. I wake up and go, what have I done? You look in the mirror, scream for a few seconds. Oh, that's just what I do. That's totally what I do. Except instead of screaming, it's just silent acceptance. <laughs> well, I just got back from a 90s dump, Zach. I left my phone in this room and then went and took oh. a shit. So I was just sitting there with my like hands on my hips. Just, uh, yep. Were you reading a Thrasher magazine? No magazines. There was nothing in there to distract me. Reading a sweet zine? <laughs> Zine? <laughs> there were no sweet zines. Were you playing with your tech decks nope. as you were pooping? Just had an introspective dump. Oh, wow. That's not a 90s dump. That's a middle age dump. Middle ages dump. Yeah. Pre-printing press dump. By middle ages, I don't mean your 40s. You're in your 40s. I mean, it's in the 1640s. <laughs> middle ages, not your over 40. <laughs> it's medieval. That's actually post-Renaissance, 1640. I think Middle Ages stopped in 1300. 1300, yeah. yeah. Uh, wow, nice call. I don't want to take a medieval dump, like a Dark Ages dump. That does not sound like a fun dump. You'd probably honestly have to like go outside and go to the community hole. I mean, they probably had outhouses or some form of that. I would imagine. I don't know. I, I don't think um, sanitation was really even a word back then, let, let alone a concern. Right. If you ask some th somebody about the sanitation of their restroom they'd think you were a witch <laughs> so i think last podcast you mentioned the possibility of getting a procedure done to make you be able to smell better don't you mean last not podcast because we lost that part oh you're right yeah dude i uh, this is you, you don't get to have all of the like nose surgery glory i'm gonna steal a little bit because tomorrow <laughs> i'm going in for a, a nice scraping of my turbinates or something to that effect r.i.p or smell God, I know. I You scared me with that. If you didn't know, I'm a very nasally person, and I have a good sense of smell for the most part, but uh, I'm chronically congested. A, a lifetime of bad allergies have led my nose to be like always inflamed. So I'm going in tomorrow, getting a turbinate reduction, <laughs> and I have a deviated septum that's getting fixed. So with any luck, I'll be able to breathe like a normal person in a little while. Exciting stuff, dude. It is scary going under, though. Yeah. At least it's scary before you do it. I mean, while you're under, you you know don't know anything, obviously. Right. But it's uh, it's like practice for death. Yeah, I mean, you'll be fine. Not being able to smell will be the least of your worries, I think, when you come out of surgery. But you probably won't be able to smell for at least, I'm guessing, a couple of weeks. I believe that. It's like you told me after I had my surgery through my nose when I said I couldn't smell. It's because they basically mutilated my old factory nerves you know you can grow your new factory nerves 
Uh, I hope so. It'll be good. Hopefully. Or this may be the last time you ever hear from me, <laughs> dear listeners. I don't think they're touching any sensitive bits, so I'm guessing complications are extraordinarily minimal. Oh, I'm, I mean, I think the only complication would probably be like something with the anesthesia. I don't Which think is, there's I think really any risk. extraordinarily your, rare. Yeah. Especially as someone who has little to no confounding health issues that could, you know, present issues. Right. I've got a good liver. I exercise it regularly. I should have no trouble processing some sedatives. Your liver is extraordinarily in shape. It's swole. <laughs> it's like a marathon runner's heart. <laughs> Admirable liver. Man, I will not forget when I went into my surgery in July, I had to have surgery where they went through my nose to remove a, a non-cancerous tumor near my brain. And I'm fine now. I, my smell is probably at 90% of what it was, but... Oh, it's still not back to 100? No, maybe even 80% of what it was. Dang. But my surgery was at, I think, noon on July 13th. Did it psych you out knowing it was on the 13th? Oh, I didn't think of that, about that. It's a good thing. It you wasn't didn't. a Friday. It's a good thing you didn't think about that, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not superstitious. I'm not either. My surgery was at, at noon. I wasn't supposed to eat for, I think, 12 hours before, but I pushed it a little further and didn't eat past like nine the night before or whatever. And, you know, it's a pretty big surgery. So I was pretty nervous really starting the day before like once night fell on the 12th the day before my surgery it kind of set in i was able to like you know compartmentalize days beforehand okay like just put it in the back of my brain it's not something i need to worry right. about now i'll be fine anyways but at nightfall i was like well did you let the existential dread set in i totally did <laughs> yeah i mean I, yeah i wasn't like panicking i was just like you know quite distressed yeah. So next day comes around and we walk into UNC hospital at 11-ish to get there early. They sit me in a waiting room where it's just a bunch of essentially other people waiting for surgery. And then two or three TVs, almost like if you're at like a butcher shop and you pull a ticket and it has like the ticket numbers on the TV and it's like <laughs> the one at the top is about to get their name called next. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but it's so small. There's so many names. I can't see mine unless I go up and walk in. And it's color-coded, so it's like, in surgery is red, pre-op is yellow, please come see the surgeon is green. And I see my name, and it's just like, please wait. Like, you know, you're not ready yet. Right. And it says that for like three hours after when I was supposed to have my surgery. So I'm just sitting there in the waiting room, my nerves fucking going berserk, thinking, what could possibly go wrong with brain surgery? <laughs> Maybe the reason this delay is here is because something went wrong with someone else's surgery. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. It was overall a really bad pre-surgery experience. So yeah, it feels weird recording pod the day before, less than 12 hours before you're supposed to have surgery. Sorry if I let that set in. I should be... I'll be going under the knife right now. My surgery's at 9.15. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) In 12 hours, hours, I'll be under the knife. Yeah. Cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. If only I could... Cheers with you. I'm just sitting here watching you drink my beer. <laughs> no beer before, no beer 24 hours beforehand. Looks pretty good. At least one of us has to feel good. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. It's usually you. I think it probably still is. So much to your discomfort, I told someone about our podcast today. Someone that I knew who I used to work with. I used to be a luggage courier at the airport, like delivering lost baggage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a really fun gig. You're a contractor. You go to the airport and do a sweep of all the bags that were left or that were late. And then you just take a load of bags and you deliver them wherever the people live whose bags they are. It was a fun job. I did it for like a whole year, I think. 
made decent money, got to drive all over the state. It was a good time. Anyway, yesterday, our roommates got back from Mexico. They went on a honeymoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I guess their bags got left because I was out in the driveway working on a car and someone pulls up, parks, and he like grabs two big suitcases out of the back and he comes walking up. He's like, hey, I got your luggage. And I was like, hey, do you work at... And like, as I said that, I recognized him. I was like, hey, what's up, man? Because we used to work together. The same oh, wow. company. He's still working there. Like, I guess it's been about 11 years now since I stopped working there. Wow. His name's Daryl. Really cool guy. We used to get along real well. We just shot the shit for like half an hour. And when he was about to leave, I was like, what do you listen to? Like when you drive around and stuff. And uh, <laughs> a leading question that I asked him. And he, he was like, oh, you know, music and uh, some podcasts. Allow me to spread the good word of the dish. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. I don't know if you have any interest in like 90s movies, but my buddy and I do a podcast on 90s movies. He's like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll check it out. So I sent him the link, Zach. Nice. Might have a new listener. Nice little ad impression. Yeah. If he actually listens to it, like he drives a lot. So he'll probably get through the whole thing in like a week. That's pretty doable. Well, honest, I don't know. Actually, like we have like probably near 20 hours of content. Yeah. At this point. We do, don't we? 10 episodes, all of them averaging between an hour and 40 minutes and two hours and 20 minutes. Does that mean we've we've crossed the threshold from amateur slash novice podcasters into whatever is after Total Neophyte? Journeyman podcasters? I don't know if we can call ourselves journeymans. Man, journeymen. I, I still very much feel like the neophyte podcaster. I do too. It just feels like 20, 20 hours is like certainly not like we're experienced by any means, but it's nothing to shake a stick at. You could put on episode one and let it play for the whole time you were conscious and it, you wouldn't get through all of our content in a day. True. Most likely. Yeah. We have almost a whole day's worth of content. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Then you think about the people who have like, it's episode 669. Nice. Well, you know, for having a day's worth of content, none of it is really that interesting. <laughs> it's true. You could just put it on and not listen. I wonder if anyone has... Actually, no. Some people have listened to all of it. I know. I know at least two people have. Uh, I'm one of them. Well, me too. So... It's a four. Oh. Oh, yeah. I guess Alex, maybe? And Hemendra, probably. And Hemendra. Yeah. I don't know if Alex has actually listened to all of them at this point because he's been real busy with work. Well, Alex, I'm just going to throw it out there that you are not our number one fan anymore. Yeah, Alex, you got to work on that. That's rookie fandom. You've got to bump up that fandom. <laughs> well, Mitch, here we are. Episode 11. We've got 10 episodes under our belt. 20-ish hours of us fumble-fucking our way through talking about movies and poorly reviewing them. Fumble-fucking is a really good description and of our podcast. We are on episode 11, which I don't know if we... I think we maybe like teased what was going on. Not that like people were chomping at the bit to know what's coming up next. Our but inbox is full. Uh, we can't get to all of the messages. <laughs> <laughs> what our plan is, is to have a... Wow, my waveforms are fucking crisp. Are they crisp? Way are you staring at the waveform right now like a psycho? I look over every once in a while and I just see like a fucking Richter scale of voice. That's like great. the equivalent of like looking down at the act while having sex. Just Who doesn't constantly. do that? I mean, I look occasionally, but I don't stare at it the whole time. I mean, I don't either, but like <laughs> sometimes you look and you're like, hey, that's pretty hot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, we, we were thinking of having a season one retrospective. A masturbatory episode. <laughs> wow, what a what an analogy to follow up with that last little sidebar yeah. we had. Sometimes I look down as I, <laughs> as I 
as I as at Fairview or when I said that, I was making the jack off motion. Mm-hmm. Now, when masturbating, I stare at myself the whole time. Yeah, let's dish about the dish and the dishes that we dished about. Let's get masturbatory, Mitch. At least that implies it's done alone, <laughs> separately together, Zach. Well, this is where we usually dive into the plot of a movie. Dive into the plot and avoid like having to actually just freewheel it. So this will be an interesting episode because you and I, I think we have some ideas about what we're going to talk about, but there's no conversational built-in fallback of, so anyways, what happens next in the movie is da-da-da-da-da. There's no next scene. No. It's just just you and me, buddy. It's true, man. Well, hell, how about this? I'll ask you a question, and then you answer the question. And if you want to ask it back, feel free to do that. And uh, if at some point you get tired of that topic, you can ask me a different question than the first question or the previous question. And then... Eventually, we'll we'll fizzle out, All right. or we may fizzle many times during. <laughs> Let's see what you got. Hit me with what you got. All right, this is a pretty easy one. I think it's a good warm up question. Did you have? No, it's not even a did you have. Wow, question one. We're already fumble fucking. <laughs> question away. one has been fumble fucked. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite movie of season one, Zach? Oh, good question. Boy, my favorite movie. As I look frantically look back at what do we watch <laughs> <laughs> it's a close call but i'd say it was the hunt for october really yeah nice yeah the runner-up was galaxy quest i think uh what about you it's a quick and easy question we can knock out both of us i probably should have had an answer before i asked you this man i almost want to choose the hunt for october just because it's that is one of three movies that i'd never seen before when watching this that's not true one of five <laughs> movies i'd never seen before watching this of those five I hadn't seen, is definitely my favorite. But I think if I had to choose just a favorite movie out of the 10 that we watched, I would probably have to go with... Say it! <laughs> what is it? <laughs> this, is, this is me in the dish last episode. <laughs> Get out! Cool, yeah. So next question. No! <laughs> you never said it! It's one of two. I, I which one I need to know. You which, already know which two, don't you? Yeah. Which which one is it? I'm having a lot of trouble deciding. That's the problem. Oh, you're you're not just fucking with me. You're I'm actually, not just fucking with okay. you. I'm like, fuck. Which one of these is actually my favorite movie of the two? Well, if you choose one, you're raging misogynist. If you choose the other, you're a nerd. <laughs> you could argue you're a nerd either way. Yeah, I kid. Those labels do not apply for whatever whatever you choose. All right, Zach. My favorite movie this season was Galaxy Quest. Hey, all right. Are you relieved I didn't say The Fifth Element? No, I'm not relieved. That was my runner-up, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Did I already say that? You did. Okay. Solid. Beer's working. Fumble fuck number two. (laughs) It's like, hey, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? It's like, (laughs) right when you say that, you're like, oh, fuck. Shit. We're done. (laughs) That's maybe like three pegs worse than when a waitress brings you food and says, enjoy your meal. And you go, you too. (laughs) When you double ask, how are you? It feels, I just want to walk away and don't look back. <laughs> it's like, I've just revealed that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> or I wasn't listening. Or wasn't listening. Which is really one of the same, ju- I guess, yeah. Just as bad, yeah. <laughs> All right. Why was the, I'm just going to ask you, why was The Hunt for October your favorite? What pins it at the top for you? Man. Why has it earned your blue ribbon, your PBR? Honestly, a lot of it was the original time we watched it. I know you immediately know what I'm talking about here, but. 
our first watch of the hunt for October predates the dish. Not by very long. I think maybe by a month or a couple of months. Okay. You and I watched it in your little like home theater, which is kind of like built on your deck. My ghetto theater? Your very ghetto, your ghetto home theater. Yeah. My white trash theater. <laughs> we <laughs> <laughs> Wait, even it's not acceptable just to pin blackout cloth on your porch? That thing is nice, dude. For being very handmade, I think a lot of people really enjoy it. I laugh. I laugh at the self-deprecating home improvement jokes, but it's it's actually really good. Thanks, man. Yeah. But we watched the Hunt for October out in your white trash theater, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we actually we gave them a shout out last podcast episode. We watched it, or I think I suggested it at the assistance of Greatest Gen folks. Uh, we were going to watch a movie and I said, hey, how about that? How about Hunt for October? We threw it on and there were like probably at least five moments throughout the movie where we just, there was some incredible scene during which Mitch and I just like slack jawed, turned and looked at each other and just silently exchanged a glance of, oh my God, this is fucking incredible. Yeah, man. And that's like the movie feeling that I chase. That's like that- it's that heroin <laughs> high. Oh yeah. That's what you chase when you look watching a movie. Of course, that didn't return when I watched it. Sunday morning prepping for the pod, but right. it's still a incredible movie. It's arguably Sean Connery, in my opinion, at his best. Pete Connery. Agreed. He's maybe on the out in his career, sort of, arguably, but he's- No, that was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I think we could both agree. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It is. But yeah, him and Sam Neill across from each other with Tim Curry in tow, like the movie is just stacked and- Submarine movies are just a ball of fun, tension, just great action. It, it's peak 90s action with titan actors that just it gives you all you want. It checks all the boxes. You're right, dude. You're so right. Galaxy Quest, in contrast, feels like it's from a different decade next oh, to the does. Hunt for October. I guess, you know, Hunt for October was what, 92? Galaxy Quest was 99. But they feel like such different movies. And you could also argue Galaxy Quest, is, it's a kind of a stretch to say it's an action movie. It's just kind of in a, in a genre of its own. It's it's uh, it's kind of like a mummy to me in that yeah. it, it has multiple genres, but I'd still say it's certainly an action movie. It's yeah. chock full of action. That's true. That's true. It's a hybrid. It's a cross-dressing movie. It's a, a an action Prius. It's a Prius like uh, span multiple car categories? Prius is a hybrid. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no pity laugh even jeez i would ask you why you love galaxy quest but we both know we love that movie yeah we could, we could gush on that some more but i know it's drenched in the uh <laughs> in the uh come <laughs> wow the uh sexual allegories are just abound this episode <laughs> what was your favorite dish of mine from Ooh. this season. Uh, let me think about that for a second. Man, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give my dish of the season for Zach award to your favorite movie, The Hunt for October with French onion soup. I remember you were, you had so-called dish envy. You were in awe of this dish. I didn't think it was that, that great, but. I was in awe of your, of your full dish gasm that you had. <laughs> <laughs> you, I remember you said you uh, you blew your whole dish load on that, on that one dish. I, I was like, damn, it's a nice load. <laughs> I thought you liked my load, Mitch. <laughs> God, this is such a, It's the finger-fucking episode. Was that, no, that's not what it was. Fumble-fucking. Fumble, fumble, fumble <laughs> oh, my God.
<laughs> okay, for the record, the reason I said finger fucking <laughs> is because Katie and I have been playing Elden Ring. Katie and I have been finger fucking. No, I just did. <laughs> I just started with recently I got Elden Ring, and in that game, Katie and I played together a lot. And in order to summon each other, you have to use a furled finger. And so we just say, "I'm gonna, fa- I'm gonna finger," or "Hey, finger me," or whatever, so that you can like summon into each other's world. Like it's an item you have to use. So I've just had fingers on the mind, man. Forgive me. You've had more than just fingers on the mind. <laughs> I say? That was not like the first sexual joke you've made. Yeah, I don't. What sexual jokes are easy? What can I say? <laughs> Apparently, like like me. Don't feel bad, man. This shit is hilarious. <laughs> oh, I don't feel bad. Just um, <laughs> strangely embarrassed. Oh, wait, real quick. I want to tell you why I liked your, your dish the oh, best. Yeah. Why I was such a big fan of your load. <laughs> it was, I, kn- I know French onion soup is like a thing for you. Like you told me about it before. I got the pleasure of getting to eat your French onion soup. It was great. And you did such a good job with the metaphor for how it was the hunt for October. I mean, that's like what you want in any dish. It was the meaning behind it. And how well how well you were able to, to compare. Nice. Thanks, dude. What about you, man? What was your favorite dish of mine? So my favorite dish of yours, you might not like this because I'm choosing one that wasn't... I feel like you had a lot of really good, well-chosen, well-articulated dishes for great reasons. But this one kind of departs from that. But I think my favorite dish of yours was maybe your second least favorite movie of this season okay gas station sushi (laughs) okay wait wait what was my least favorite movie then well we can get there later but i think i know what it is okay but it's it's so reminiscent and so hilarious i mean everybody knows gas station food is terrible but it's pop culturally bad it just made me think of um I can't remember which movie it is. It's one of the National Lampoons where Clark Kent says, I'm so hungry I can eat a sandwich from a gas station. <laughs> and I've never heard of gas station sushi, but the fact that it exists is, is quite frankly, makes me lose some faith in humanity. <laughs> it, it so well encapsulates the feelings that you expressed throughout the review of Bad Boys <laughs> that I don't agree with. <laughs> I really enjoyed that dish and I thought it was hilarious and I, I, had, to, I had to award you for it. I'll take it. So, okay. If we're going to do the uh, yin and yang or the light and dark or the good and bad, what's your bad? What was your least favorite movie of this season? Well, that's an easy choice. Clear and Present Danger. I mean, this might be a controversial choice. I think Clear and Present Danger is like kind of regarded as being a good uh, of the 90s movies. But people I've mentioned Clear and Present Danger to who hadn't seen it since the 90s like, oh, yeah, Clear and Present Danger. I love that movie. Yeah. I mean, it has some fun action scenes, but overall, if if you're watching it and trying to actually, you know, follow along and think about it, it hurts. It hurts to watch. It's like, hey, I'm really looking forward to going to the movie theater to watch this book. Yeah. Yeah. And watch this book that like was murdered on screen. <laughs> it It doesn't make any sense. There's too much exposition, not enough action. It gets fun in the end, but it's just, it's a mess. There are worse 90 movies, of course. Of all the 10 movies we watched, this is my least favorite. And we had some real bangers on the list. But of all of what we watched, Clear and Present Danger is definitely my least favorite. Are you still in agreement with me? or I'm not. Whoa. Bad Boys. Wow. I think it was my least favorite movie of the season. Wow. 
What a 180. Did I agree with you about clear and present danger? Yes. Maybe it was from the perspective of the podcast. Because I would say that clear and present danger, that was probably my least favorite episode of our podcast because it was so long. and We had to be like wading through the plot. But as far as movies go, I, I was never like in the middle of clear and present danger and thinking like, God, this is a terrible movie. I was like, oh, wow, there sure are a lot of unnecessary characters in this movie. Or, huh, yeah, that's pretty convenient the way you're doing that. I was never like I was with Bad Boys where just thinking to myself, like, God, this movie's awful. <laughs> I would also say I said that about Time Cop. Yeah. That's a bad movie. Watching it, I remember thinking it was a bad movie, but I liked it. It was like a likable bad movie. I didn't find Bad Boys as likable. Yeah. Well, Time Cop, I think it knows that it's kind of like in the Razzie category. Yeah. And leans into it. Never interrupt me when I'm talking to myself. Right. Bad Boys, I don't think did, but... I still enjoyed it. Like, I think Bad Boys objectively is like not a great movie and it kind of maybe recognized that, but maybe not because Michael Bay, I don't think is that self-aware. Sure. It had its enjoyable moments and it had its its humor. The action was never great in my opinion. And like at the end of it, I was just like, "Uh, all right, (laughs) were we not doing a podcast on it? Like if I had just watched it randomly, I would have thought, well, there goes two hours. I'll never get back. Yeah. I mean- Will I go out of my way to watch Bad Boys 2? Absolutely not. But did I enjoy the movie? Yeah, kind of did. But I respect your opinion, man. I totally get it. It was a little tough to watch at times. Yeah. I get it. Again, it's one of those movies that probably like, if I had seen it in the 90s in theaters, I probably would have loved it. Yeah. Like, I think it's a movie that belongs in the 90s. It doesn't do well outside of the 90s for me. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we do this, man. I think when we disagree... It probably makes it maybe a little more interesting. You mean like you, you don't think we should do a podcast with two straight white males who agree about everything? I mean, that is like most podcasts. I know, right? <laughs> Just we create our own little echo chamber. So what I was thinking we could do next, we could do a little a collaboration. All right. Let's just, you know, come together in this one. We've been making note of henchmen in every movie we've watched. And we've... Even retroactively. Yeah, we've gone back and highlighted some henchmen. We can maybe make note of that as we go back. But I think what would be fun to do would be rank them against each other in a tier list style. Yeah. So Mitch and I, well, I shared with Mitch a, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say it like this. In the Zach here has done something all by himself with this podcast. (laughs) He made an awesome PowerPoint tier list. For the henchmen. So I just before the podcast started, I told Mitch I shared a, a tier list with him in uh, our shared drive. It's basically a recreation of the tier lists, like all the t- memed tier lists you see, you know, S through D and F with the horizontal rows where you where you stack the henchmen. And I figured let's quickly run through the names. Let's go through the movies. That way it'll be... Yeah, names and movies. Yeah. yeah. So for Patriot Games, episode one... I assigned henchmen. These are kind of henchmen adjacent, but because there weren't really henchmen, you could argue that uh, Sean Miller was a henchman to Kevin for the for the sake of having like an antagonist character that were doing things in the movie. The ponytail girl, Tits, tits. Yep. and her lover, Kevin, who was Sean Miller's boss, effectively, are henchmen. I don't even remember Kevin that well, honestly. He was just like the character that had the plot going for like the IRA extremists. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. For the hunt for October, 
Tupolev of the Red Fleet, him being the buckaroo of the Russian Navy who had to come after Ramius and the Red October. We're going to kill Ramius. For point break, I chose Roach, the one who ended up parachuting dead in the end. Oh, right. Okay. Long hair? Long hair, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should have shot him when I had the chance. For a clear and present danger, we've got the mustachioed man. Like the best definition of a henchman I think we've gotten to so far. Get up. Time cop. I actually just realized we need to add or amend the time cop henchman. What about dual exhaust mullet, dude? Hey now. Oh, that guy supplants Mr. Frozen in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. Mr. Frozen just stood out in my mind, but I just, I'm just calling him Mr. Frozen because he was the dude uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme like hit with the liquid nitrogen and then like kicked his whole side off. Okay. That guy. Interesting. You want to take the next five? Yeah. So episode six, The Mummy, we have the Anthro Chads and Benny. But what I'm going to propose to you right here, Mitch, is I think it should just be Benny. I don't think the Anthro Chads are henchmen. I think they were just competing to also... I think you're correct. It should just be Benny. Yeah. Your strength gives me strength. Okay. All right. Bad boys. We've got... This is just the actor's name, but Pedro Pascal, he was... He wasn't even the actor. He just looked like Pedro Pascal. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I think you mentioned like, hey, do you notice the guy looks like Pedro Pascal? Okay, next scene. God, yeah. He was the only person of note that was one of the roving bad guys whenever they'd run into people. Yeah, yeah. Hackers, Mr. The Plague was the main bad guy and his kind of right-hand man hacker IT guy was Pendulette. Interesting cameo, yeah. I guess. They're going for the colonel. Fifth Element, this was a fun one. Right Arm. Oh, yeah. Right Arm was good. I liked him. Um, he did some fun stuff. That's me. <laughs> Galaxy Quest, there were really no henchmen that were highlighted from Saris's goons. There were just kind of some scenes where there was like that one guy that did this thing. Right. So we've just highlighted Saris's lieutenants as kind of to agglomerate all of them into one hench- yeah. henchman. Uh, better than my lieutenant. I'd say we could probably lump them all into one. Also, mega shade earlier. Zach did something on his own. <laughs> I had to, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're always so like, you're always conscious of the fact, man, you're doing like all the editing. I feel so bad. I'm like, dude, it's fine. It's totally fine. As long as I can throw a little shade, like a little fun shade at you every once in a while, I'm cool with it. All right, I'm on the bottom slide. Actually, I'm on the top slide. Don't encroach on my territory, Mitch. I figured we could just chat as we're filling this in. and This could be, you know, you're on the top slide, right? I'm on top slide. Yeah, yeah. I love being on bottom. Wait, I'm, <laughs> are, you, are you a natural bottom, Zach? <laughs> Boy, where do I put tits? I know, right? Where to put tits? <laughs> I don't like them pretty much anywhere. Is there a face category? <laughs> yeah, it's F. <laughs> For face? Put your tits on my interface. <laughs> oh, hackers. We haven't really defined any parameters. Like, what does it mean to be a good henchman? I think we should <laughs> we should define that after we finish, but before we actually run through it. That's a good point. I, I think it could be very individual. And you could, I agree. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say mine, you say yours. In the end, do you think that we should agree on like the categories for each one? Like we just we dish it out and decide what category they fall in at the end. Like, do we litigate who's right and who's wrong? Yeah, I guess. Or, sure. or like come to an agreement. We can each present our case and then mutually decide. Yeah, yeah, on the, that's, on that's a great. Idea. Okay, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I see you have two F tiers. I wonder who they are. 
<laughs> Boy, do I make them? I just gave it away uh, by saying them. Oh well, I didn't notice until that until now. But you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Well, I do now. Do you? No. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Do I make them S tier? <laughs> How you feeling? Good. Feel good? Yeah, I feel good. Should we merge? I'm waiting with bated breath, Zach. I think we should probably each individually tell the other what is your scale based on. For me, what establishes a good henchman I have into five categories. Okay. One, did they die? And if so, how did they die? <laughs> uh, that can be both a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing if they die, although they are henchmen, so they're kind of supposed to. And it's not a full point deduction if they do die. But if they do die, it better be really fun the way they die it to like add to their score. Next, how much should the henchmen progress the plot? They either hold off the protagonist long enough for the bad guy to proceed with his plan and progress the plot, or they themselves do something to make the plot move forward. Mm -hmm. That has a heavier weight, obviously. Mm -hmm. How much fun did they have in their portrayal of the henchman that they are playing? And how much fun did they make the audience have? That might be the the heaviest weight for me of of anything, is how much fun (laughs) did we have because of them? And then, did they kill anybody? is my last category. Probably the, the lowest weight, but still carries a bit of weight. How about you, man? What's a good henchman for you? You had some ones that I missed, and those are critical weighting categories. I really like yours. Thanks, uh, dude. We have some carryover, though. So my first criteria is how diabolical are their goals? <laughs> so you know, if they're just trying to steal Girl Scout cookies, no matter how good they are at it, they're not going to be a great henchman because the stakes are low. Much like you said, my second category is how much do they influence the plot or the char- the actions of the main character? Do they further the goals of their boss? Fourth category is do they have a giant mustache? <laughs> <laughs> mustache as a category? Yes. <laughs> Tits F tier. <laughs> I kind of disagree with you on one of yours, which is did they die? Mm. I think if you die, you can still be a kick-ass henchman. I think in most action movies the action hero always wins. Oh, I agree. I, I don't see that I don't see them dying as a bad thing unless they die before they're really able to prove themselves as oh, a good okay. Yeah, yeah. The one that I didn't include that you did that I love was how much fun do they have make the audience have? Yeah. I subconsciously weighted that into my categories without realizing I should have included it. Maybe we should merge the best of our categories later. Fifth category is did they kick ass? Did they kill anybody? Did they inflict harm? How awesome were they? I like that better than my, did they kill anybody? Did they kick ass? That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I would say the same subliminal thing for me with that one. Uh, the last one was, did they get ass? Did they get ass? Yes. Did like, they get ass? Like, did they fuck? Yes. Did they get down? <laughs> <laughs> did they kick ass and did they get ass? All yeah. right. I see where you're going with this. So to also list this out to the viewers a little bit better, the tiers are S, which is best. S is best, and then followed by A, B, C, D, and brought the rear by F. To put it in terms, S is like the best you can get. If you're going to go hire henchmen, these are the henchmen that cost the most money and get shit done and do everything you ask. That's right. F is like these henchmen like almost actively work against you. They're so bad. They're, they're so incompetent. They're fucking worthless. <laughs> yeah. They can't wipe their own ass. Yeah. And you know- A through D is kind of a sliding scale. All right, listeners, we have 
independently created our tier system. It's a very visual thing. We'll try and talk you through it. Like I said, we have a PowerPoint slide of tier lists. We made two slides, so we couldn't see each other as we were making our tier lists. I'm now on Mitch's slide. I haven't looked where he's placed his henchmen. I'm going to import my names onto his list, and then we'll stick your names on my list, Zach. <laughs> and then we're going to kind of go through and like hash out where does each name actually belong. And then wherever we decide that henchman belongs, whoever had it correct will leave that color, maybe. Oh, yeah. We, we could do points. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. I'm going I'm to import mine. I'm going to hit control V. All right. So we can now see each other's list. I'm, I'm looking. Oh, got a bit of uh, some. I see a bunch wow. that's in common and a bunch that's not in common. <laughs> yeah, we are, we're pretty different. All right. Well, let's start with movie number one, that being Patriot Games, where we have tits. 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 We are in agreement. Tits is A tier. Tits, we both have as A tier. I put tits in A tier because... She was pivotal to the progression of the plot. Pivotal plot progression. Pivotal plot progressor. Pivotiddle. Yeah, pivotiddle. Pivotiddle. And she managed to give Harrison Ford PTSD with her ponytail, which was a lot of fun. Ponytail PTSD. Tits is totally A tier, only supplanted by ass. Oh, man. Maybe I should put tits in S tier. Ass tier? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just need an ass tier. Tits is just the tip of the Asperg. Asperg. Uh, Ismo. Groan. Yeah, Tits for me, and we should reiterate. Ah, uh, groin. For anybody that hasn't watched episode one of our podcast, Harrison Ford literally calls her Tits. Tits. Yeah. In the movie. In the movie. We're not being extraordinarily misogynistic here. I mean, we kind of are, but... We're leaning into the misogyny. She's called Tits in the movie, and so we're leaning into it. It's her titular name. <laughs> <laughs> tits... She was running circles around Jack Baldwin, the CIA, for the greater part of the movie until she made the mistake of going to the bathroom in the same building as him. She didn't actually. Oh, no. It was just some other girl that had a yeah. ponytail. It was more like she just like had a red ponytail. She was doing all sorts of crazy shit. I would argue she never really did anything wrong except stay too close to uh, Sean Miller. Yeah. How did she go down in the movie? I don't remember. Sean Miller killed her on the boat. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'd say like the only thing she could have done more of to become S tier was be more proactive. Gotten that ass. In giving them a hard time and and fucked. (laughs) (laughs) But she wasn't that proactive. She was kind of in the shadows and one step ahead. She never really felt like a looming character or really threatening. She was just kind of, oh, tits again. Tits. Mm Mm-hmm. She was a a giant thorn in the side, but she could have done more. If she was more proactive about it, she could have been S tier for sure. Sure, sure. All right, what's next? We got The Hunt for Red October. All right, so we got Tupolev for Hunt for Red October. We have a slight disagreement for this one. Where'd you put him? I put him as a B tier. I put him as a C tier. You know, I might agree with you, actually, that maybe he's actually C tier. Okay, here's why I'm, I'm putting Tupolev as B tier. Go on. Also, my very leaky memory might start showing through, but... Memory is like a submarine with a screen door. <laughs> he was he was very effective in rerouting and changing <laughs> Ramius's plans. Go on. You're just fidgeting with a razor. It's fine. <laughs> razor blade. You know, they had the final showdown at the end where they thought they kind of were out of the reach of the Red Fleet mm-hmm. and a torpedo went over their heads and they had... 
they came very close to death. And the only reason they were able to best Tupolev was because of superior combat tactics. Whose whose idea was it to drive towards it was, well, it was Ramius's it, idea to drive towards him, wasn't it? But I think in the end it was the Dallas that saved the Red October. Yeah, you're right. It was only because of the Dallas who they had not accounted for in their calculus that they weren't killed by the henchmen, which might be actually a fairly unique among the movies from season one. I don't think the henchmen in any of the other movies came close to killing the good guys on their own. But that alone doesn't make him S tier. He was fairly absent most of the movie. He didn't. That was his only scene of note. He was kind of a firecracker of a henchman. He he came yeah. and went real fast. Man, I might have to agree with you on him being B. I had, I had him as C just because we kind of forgot about him until the end. But he really did kind of he made the action of the movie. I think he was really the only true action. I put him as C tier because he killed himself. Get the head! You are an ass. You've killed us. He was his own worst enemy. <laughs> Like that's, it adds a lot of like entertainment value for the audience. But in a, in a movie like the Red October, it was like the last thing I thought would happen would be like, oh, he just like overextended and wasted himself. Wasted. <laughs> I guess in that he, he was just less effective than he otherwise should have been. He was overconfident. Yeah. But I do agree though, for all of your points about him being B, he's like C plus for me. You know, I feel pretty solid about him being B. I, I'm not going to give him B minus. I feel solid about him being B. I, I'm with you on B. I think, you know, I think we can do at this point is I agree more about yours being B than you do about mine being C. Let's make him B. All right. Delete mine from the list. All right. So next up is Point Break. The man in Point Break or man and woman, which actually I just realized henchman is a very gender non-neutral term. Hinch person. Hinch person. <laughs> <laughs> Non-binary hincher. Non-binary hincher. <laughs> we got to deal with Roach. Got, wow. What a, a discrepancy. difference. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> Do you want to go okay. for it? Okay. So for the record, Zach has Roach as an A tier. I have Roach as an F tier. <laughs> wow. Why do you think Roach wow. is A tier? Tell me. I, As I think about it, maybe he's a little too high as A tier, but I don't think he's F tier. Looking back at my manifesto of what makes a good henchman. There you go. How diabolical are their goals? Not very. They're just trying to rob banks and have a good fucking time. That's basically it. I don't know that we can go back to the movie and attribute a whole lot to him individually. Him as part of the ex-presidents, they are wildly successful in their goals. Mine is F specifically because of Roach, not because of the ex-presidents in general. Okay. I don't know what exactly Roach did in the ex-presidents, but like as part of his greater team, they're wildly successful. Their boss, got to be Bodhi. Do they have a giant mustache? Unfortunately, no. Did they kick ass? Fuck yeah, Roach kicked ass, I'd say. Did they get yeah. ass? I don't know that we explicitly see Roach getting ass, but I think all of the ex-presidents got ass. Like There's that one house scene where like totally debaucherous scene. Just generally, I feel like all of the ex-presidents were... Quite successful. If you compare them to Bodhi, they all look pretty bad. Minnowy? <laughs> yeah. I think we, we point out that one scene where it was at the end where Bodhi was waxing philosophical about what it means to truly be free. Yeah, fucking A. Yeah, and I think it was actually Roach. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure yeah, it was a, Roach. Man. Yeah. And then Roach dies while skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny. 
So maybe Ebroach, I would happily downgrade him to B or even C. Probably actually C is more appropriate. All right. Well, let me give you mine. Okay. And maybe I'm being too harsh, but I felt like Roach was, I mean, I guess he technically helped progress the plot of the movie, but like, I feel like he was the fuck up of the rest of the ex-presidents. He was the one who was ready to shoot Utah in the street whenever they saw him. When they came out of the bank, he like points his revolver at Utah and is ready to shoot the fucking gun. Like, I guess maybe you could look at that in either direction. If he'd done that, we wouldn't have gotten the badass chase scene. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but that and the fact that he just like, he had such a kind of measly end, you know, he, yeah, he hung on to the very end after he got shot by, uh, I think Busey, I think shot him. Yeah. I'm realizing I don't have that much good reason for him being F. I was like, fuck Roach. (laughs) Cause he was a dick at the end. The fuck are you looking at? He was a dick at the end, but. Okay, here's my thing. I I agree with you. He's not A tier, but I don't think he's F tier. I don't think either. he's F tier either. Maybe we agree. You're orange. I'm blue. Maybe we agree that he's purple in C. It's kind of a, a tie. Meeting in the middle. We we agree to agree. Yeah, that's fine with me, dude. All right. Deleting my roach. All right. Next movie we have clear and present danger. Oh boy. I think you already know where I put Mr. Mustachio. I can see where you put Mr. Mustachio and you can see where I put Mr. Mustachio. This man was the most successful henchman we've ever seen. He, It was he, astonishing. It was astonishing. He was technically the right-hand man of the true antagonist in the movie. He achieved everything that he was supposed to, getting the Banderas version of Jack Ryan's plot like mo- really moving. He shot out a cop in the middle of the street and took over a, a convoy with a dirt bike. And then he proceeded to bust in at the last minute and kill the main perceived bad guy for his boss and one of his henchmen. And he never died. I don't think that Mustachio Man ever actually died. Oh, wait. No, he got sniped. Oh, really? Tuco sniped him through the window. Yeah. You can't really discredit a henchman for being sniped. They don't know that they see that coming that's know? true yeah I, I i don't discredit him for that like he went out at the very end it's like if waluigi was actually successful <laughs> this guy throughout the whole movie was fucking unstoppable and a bane to harris to jack baldwin and he had the mustache he the, was all mustache he created the mustache game this is why you need to have a mustache to truly level up as a henchman get up <laughs> I give him five out of five mustaches. He gets five out of five mustaches for sure. This man started our henchman tier list. Star- at least started our like recognition of henchmen as a fun thing to dish about. Right. Uh, if, if it wasn't for Mr. Mustachio, Mitch and I wouldn't be staring at this poorly rendered tier list in PowerPoint and poorly discussing it with our viewers over this poorly produced podcast. Poorly produced podcast and poorly conveyed audio medium. Do you think Mr. Mustachio goes home and like he has all daughters, but they all have mustaches as well? <laughs> Is his mustache game that strong? Oh, man. In his genetic pool, the mustache is a dominant gene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next up, we have Time Cop, where we have assigned Mr. Frozen. And Dual Exhaust. And Dual Exhaust, Right. Mr. Frozen being the henchman who put up a good fight with Jean-Claude Van Damme in the like 
warehouse scene and then got liquid nitrogen frozen and kicked in half. Have a nice day. Yes. Where you rank him, Zach? Fuck, you've got him as F tier? I see how much you weigh in <laughs> making the audience have fun in your ranking of henchmen. I weigh that very heavily. I don't remember him giving Jean-Claude Van Damme a good fight. I mean, he shot a Zuzi at him a bunch. There wasn't really a, a good fight other than the fact that he delayed JCVD from catching up to Senator McComb. I saw him simply as cannon fodder. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Who fought John Clan Van Damme on some rafters and then got half his body blown off without actually truly affecting the plot. I mean, objectively, he gave Senator McComb some time, but I don't, he was fun for that scene, but I don't feel like he did anything. You're right. He didn't really do anything, but it was such an iconic death. And the line, you got the line later where after JCVD kicked him in half, he turns to McComb and he's like, I should have said freeze. I think he got the idea. Because they were joking about that before. It was like the oh. best one-liner in the whole movie. I mean, okay, I agree. He shouldn't be A tier. <laughs> I don't think he should be F tier, though. I think he deserves more recognition than that. Best I can do is D tier. Best you can do is D tier? Best I can do is D tier. Yeah, what happens if we can't agree? Okay, let me think about this for a second. This man does not deserve C tier. No? This man did nothing but get kicked in half by Jean-Claude Van Damme. I guess that's true. If... If we give every like over-the-top henchman death a heavy weight, they're all going to end up in the upper tiers. And you're right. I guess they don't deserve it by our by our categories of henchman worthiness. I well, honestly, I didn't even remember who he was until you mentioned uh, he got like his side kicked off, and then I immediately did mention remember. Who I he will was, concede, but... Zach. I will concede, and you you can. Should I move him to D tier? Let's move him to D tier. Okay. If you're okay with D tier, I don't think he's sure. F tier. Okay. Mainly because his death was so much fun. Like, I'll let that get him out of the F tier. I would let him, I, w- I would allow him into my C tier category if when his torso fell into, where did, what did it fall into? I think it fell into like, it was the big machine, I think, in that warehouse. Okay. So if as he got ground up by the machine or whatever, if he, if his hand as it went down turned into a thumbs up, <laughs> I would have granted him a C tier, but Fair alas, enough. he did not. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So he's been moved into C tier. D. D. Sorry. D tier. <laughs> Do we make it purple and he's neither of us get- banned from C. Do we make it purple and neither of us get points? If both of us have to budge, maybe we could say it's that's a null. All right. Well, we both budged. Null category. I budged more, but but we both budged. We both budged. Maybe we make it bluish purple. Bluish purple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have dual exhaust. This is still time cop. We've got dual exhaust mullet dude, the giant man in like out that the, the Smash Mouth clothes. All that fancy kicking is on Broadway. The, the nice most intimidating of the Smash Mouth baddies. Hey now. Yeah. <laughs> Dual exhaust. Dual exhaust mullet. Boy. We agree. We agree. He is A tier. He is A tier. He pulled his weight, man. He from the very beginning, you see him up in like the tier in the mall, and you're like, oh fuck, who are those guys? And then he he actually does in the beginning shoot Jean Claude Van Damme and and like, you know, knock him out in that way. And then at the end he kicks his ass. Or no, I think he 
kicks his ass in the in the beginning and then again in the end. Yeah, yeah. He's dead. No, he's not dead, you moron. He's also got mad flow. <laughs> yeah. His hair game was fucking on point. Yeah, it was. Just from hair alone, he's already in C tier. We even make if- a new category hair. <laughs> Do you have a dual exhaust mullet? Yeah, I mean, this dude's swag was fucking off the charts. Of all the henchmen, this dude's swag was like overflowing and blew everyone else out of the water. So you know that he kicks some ass and it's safe to assume he gets some ass. We don't see him get some ass, but like I think we can feel safe that this dude was pulling some tail. Yeah, I think you're right. On a serious note, <laughs> there are no serious notes in this podcast. <laughs> um, he, he seriously influenced... John Klon Van Damme's actions and like this dude was kicking ass all over the place. Yeah. You could argue without him there in the in the first sequence before we go back in time that without him none of it would have happened. Movie didn't happen. John Claude yeah. Van Damme would have just kicked all the rest of the henchmen's asses yeah. in a yeah. yeah. Totally. No need to litigate further. We are in agreement. All right. Uh number six. Sorry, listeners, we are a little over halfway done with this list. <laughs> the <laughs> mummy, we have Benny. Uh, where are we at with Benny? Benny, I put in C tier, and Benny, you put in D tier. Oh, we're very close. I put him D tier. He's he was basically just a translator, man. He didn't really do anything, and you could also argue he didn't even need to be there because the only thing he really did was whenever the anthro Chad who had lost his eyes and tongue was like hanging out up in the room, he's like, "Hey, this guy's here to take your soul." Okay, go ahead. Like he didn't do anything. <laughs> he was just there for comic relief, I guess, or for cringeworthiness. I felt like, okay, without Benny, would the mummy have been able to accomplish his diabolical goals? Yes. I don't know, honestly. I don't know. You I think, think so? Yes. Okay. I mean, you could, you could argue that Benny led the mummy back to Cairo. Yeah. But like, he has control of the sands and whatnot. I think he probably could have figured it out. I may agree with you. I mean, according to my categories... First of all, I don't think Benny can grow a mustache if he wanted to. How diabolical are the goals? Very diabolical, but... They aren't his goals. Right. With the rest of the categories lacking, that really drags that down. Influencing the plots, main characters' actions? Not really. Do they further the goals of their bosses? Like you said, he's just kind of the mouthpiece for the mummy, who I think could talk anyways. Even if he only spoke in Egyptian, in ancient Egyptian, two of the other main characters understand him. Maybe yeah. even three. So Did they kick ass... In fact, no, he got his ass kicked. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Benny is D tier. Okay, I could accept this victory, but I, I just for the sake of drawing out the conversation and being fair, do you think that he deserves to be moved to F tier? Hmm. There's an argument to, argument to be had for that, for sure. What allows him to be out of the F tier and into D tier, I guess, is the question. I feel like he did die in a really fun way in the end. Like He got his comeuppance with the scarabs. Yeah. His parts did add a lot of fun to the movie. Yeah. You know, between like him getting thrown off the boat or getting sniped by a chair. He was leading the anthro chads. So that in itself, I think, is a pretty big accomplishment. Right. He also helped the mummy get in his Mrs. Doubtfire outfit to go meet oh, with somebody yeah, in, the, yeah. uh, in the lobby of the hotel where I think he uh, desiccated a body. Another yeah, body. It's true. Yeah. I'd say he deserves to be D tier. I, I don't think, I think to be F tier, you have to almost. Be so incompetent, you work against your boss. That's true, yeah. 
I don't think he did that. I think he was fairly incompetent, but just enough to help the mummy to almost the smallest degree. It's not like he's the reason that the mummy was killed. All right, I'll take it. Next up, we've got Bad Boys was Pedro Pascal. Mustached Pedro Pascal. Wow, we're in agreement again. Oh, we agree on this. He's D tier. Well, he's got some mustache, so that gets him out of F tier automatically. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> Maybe even long, I, I was really weighing between C and D. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I I, I, I didn't have now, mustache but... as a category, which is why he was D for me. But I yeah. guess if you add mustache as a Fuck, category. I did not weigh that. I would I should have put him in C. Do you think that he deserves to be bumped up to C? You think we should do that? Well, I don't think it's fair to change like that last minute. Personally, I think he really probably should be in C. But... Well, why do you think he should be in C? I still feel like he was very ineffective. I think mustache gets you D. I don't think mustache <laughs> I don't think mustache gets you C. <laughs> i'm wondering how how good bad boys truly was because i'm forgetting what he did so i remember he he basically showed up a couple times to shoot at the main characters i think that was it you're right i think he's d yeah Yeah, i don't think he deserves to move up to c all right that's it for you mr (laughs) that's it for you okay all right, moving along. Number eight, Hackers. Pendulette. Oh, man, you put him C tier. I put him as C tier. I did. I have him as F. I noticed. I think you're wrong, my friend. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess you could give him some points for, like, you know, helping fire the lasers at the end with the big arcade pad when, with the big hacker battle, but that's really all he did. He also noticed when they were hacked and had the garbage file taken. Yeah, it's so true. He was one that noticed that. I mean, I don't know if he actively dissuaded whoever the character was that stole, I forget his name, stole the garbage file from doing anything else. Uh-huh. But he's the one that noticed it and enacted this whole cascade of That's a good point. Mr. He... The Plague chasing the good guys. Uh, Mr. The Plague, uh, something, something weird's happening on the net. I think we got a hacker. That's a good point. If he hadn't seen that, I guess we wouldn't have even had a primary plot for the movie. So. Yeah. I guess... In my view, F tier is you do something. F tier is like anti henchman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You make some very good points, and I think that I will oblige your C rating for for Pendulette. All right. Next up, we have the Fifth Element, in which we discuss right arm. I have put him as C tier, and I see you've moved him up to B tier. I think we agreed C tier in the middle of dishing about part of the reason I put him in C tier. But now that we've developed our our <laughs> ranking system a little bit, I can see why you'd put him in B tier. He was the person that I subconsciously moved in my head or, or moved from C to B. And the rationale in my head was he was a lot of fun. Yeah, he was. I didn't put that I as totally a category, agree. but that was, that was the motivating factor for that for me. Yeah. Um, but he worked against Zorg effectively. Explain. The reason why is because he was supposed to be on that fucking plane to carry out Zorg's plans. He missed the plane and ultimately got his boss killed. I think I'm. I think for me that's going to put him in C back in C tier. He was so much fun. If, if he wasn't that fun, he'd be F tier. <laughs> what was the piece of information that he got while listening through his cockroach device? He got the information that they were going to Floss in Paradise, so that helped. I don't know. Getting your boss killed as a henchman, that's a pretty big whiff. You're right. He's honestly maybe my second favorite 
I mean, even maybe your first favorite henchman. On don't get me wrong. List. He's so much fun and, um, and one of my favorites too, but like, <laughs> I think you're right. I, I've deleted mine <laughs> and you, you're taking the win for right arm. Huzzah. All right. Final henchman from galaxy quest. We have Saris's lieutenants. This is the second widest gap in our placement of all the henchmen. Oh yeah, it is. I have them Saris's lieutenants generally as F tier and Mitch, you have them as B tier. I have them as B tier. Yes, I do. Uh, well, let me tell you why I have them as B tier real quick. Okay. <laughs> so going through the, my ranking reasons, first of all, our first introduction to Saris's lieutenants is through the head of one of them being held up on a spike <laughs> to kind of give the gravity of the situation to the audience and to the, you know, imposter crew. That was really fun for me too, just because it's like an oh shit moment, and it's also just kind of funny. She <laughs> weren't expecting it. His his lieutenant, after the fact, was actually helpful in like tracking the ship as it came out of the nebula, or out of the minefield, proceeding the plot in that way. And if we're counting any of his goons who did anything, one of them managed to kill a like side character in Quillick, mm-hmm. and therefore allow the best line out of Galaxy Quest when. Alexander gives his line like without Quillick dying which sucks and was really emotional like we wouldn't have gotten that we wouldn't have gotten that satisfaction mm. that reward see I disagree with you on that one point okay I I thought about that henchman specifically when I assigned them F tier it's almost like that's the one authoritarian police officer who shoots someone at a protest and then starts a riot and then a riot starts that's true and I think that person in retrospect is looked back on as like pretty unanimously among society as like, what a horrible person. And ultimately like leads to a horrible view of the person that's leading the regime or government or whatever. So I saw him more as like that one henchman is like the initial cascade that led to like the uprising and the turn of Alan Rickman's character into this like frenzied man who before was like very kind of apathetic to the whole situation you're right they are fun and they do progress the plot but i don't think in a in a way that moves the needle for the bad guy i guess we kind of have both sides of that coin with our reason like our reasoning system yeah we have is it fun and did they move the plot forward but did they also move the plot in the direction of the bad guy? Like, did they help? <laughs> I, I could concede for that reason, moving him out of F tier. But at the same time, that would leave no one in the F tier. There doesn't have to be anybody in the F tier. I guess you're right. I don't think we've really had anyone who really botched their job as a henchman. I like, would say Mr. Really. Frozen botched his job. I guess that's true. <laughs> but we agreed he's D. We're beyond that. <laughs> also, I don't know. Like, there was also a scene where they were all the crew of the protector were supposed to get spaced and multiple of the guys failed their job and instead the henchmen got spaced i mean i'm i'm not opposed to moving moving them to c tier i'm okay with that so with that uh i'm agreeing sarah's lieutenants will be c tier i think that puts you in the lead my friend i've got one two one two three four five six one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got, I got seven. You got seven. Yep. Yeah. We had, we had two disagrees, but move in the middle. Let's see here. Three ties. We agreed on tits, dual exhaust, and Pedro Pascal. Well, wow, that henchman tier list was fun, but took way longer than I expected. It's gonna take right. some serious cutting. That's okay. 
Oh, boy. Well, I still have a couple more questions to ask you, Zach. We, I think we have some waxing pod to do still about the future of the podcast. So we got to save room for that too. Yeah, yeah. Got to save room for that as we consume this dish. Well, let me ask you a question then. All right. So we could probably both just agree on the best overall true hero. Or if we had a different one we wanted to say. Well, I think we both know. Who. I think we both know it's the Buick. <laughs> it's the Buick from episode one. Buick from episode inspired one. the true hero. Yeah. That, that will never <laughs> be... <laughs> that title may never be usurped, but like we can say in subsequent seasons, we won't be choosing from this list of true right, heroes. So. Right. But man, true legend. He goes on the Mount Rushmore of true heroes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> that faceless man. Just It's just a Buick yeah. on Mount Rushmore. There's no man. It's just a Buick. <laughs> Truer hero was never had. Truly. How about the most obscure true hero? That one sounds like it'd be kind of fun. Oh, I think the most obscure are probably going to be the dart gun guy at the end of Galaxy Quest. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then the... Michaels. Oh, yeah. The Michaels true hero, the techno mannequin from Hackers. You know, I'm actually... I'm going to give it a tie between the self-masturbatory choice of my own choice of dart gun guy Uh who shot Saris from the crowd not knowing he was actually a bad guy (laughs) and Michael's choice of... The person dressed up as the techno mannequin from Hackers. <laughs> They're both. They're both so obscure. People in a crowd who show on who have like two to three seconds of screen time, but really are possibly the true heroes of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? I, I would agree. Like those two are probably the most obscure of the ones we mentioned. You could maybe say Corbin's mom is a little obscure, but I don't think to this level. <laughs> but I'm going to give it to techno mannequin. I think Michael. Michael has won the most obscure true hero award (laughs) for season one, in my opinion. All right. How about most beloved? Oh, I know what mine is all day long. Can it be the same as best overall? Oh, well. Let's define what most beloved means. My most beloved true hero is Sir Winston Havelock. Oh, nice. Okay. You just love him from the start. Like, he's just a bundle of fun. He's, He's so likable and so drunk all the time. And he died so happy. Admirable choice, Mitch. Thanks, bro. <laughs> the best kind of compliment. <laughs> what about you? I have a guess for yours. I was thinking of, of a certain person. I hadn't decided yet, but I'm curious to hear your guess. I'm guessing you're going to say NBA legend John Sally. He was a runner-up. I was going to say serial okay, killer. Okay. And this was kind of a cop-out true hero because he doesn't really fit the bill as, uh, of uh, true hero, of semi-obscure at at best well, you could say the same about like sonar jones though like ah true um but he was one of my favorite characters of all the movies we watched i know we also disagreed about that but i just enjoyed the energy and the the zaniness the vibe the costuming everything about matthew lillard's character here yeah. was incredible and for that reason he's my most beloved because he's just because he's on the list of true heroes and he's there to choose from i think that's a serviceable choice zach <laughs> I'm just kidding. Serial killer was pretty all right. Damn. He was good. Looking back, do you have anyone you kind of wish you'd labeled as a true hero or like an honorable mention? Someone that never really got brought up or didn't make any of the oh, lists, wow. but it would have been cool if they did. I don't know that I thought about this. Um, I think my honorable mention would be the bio printer technician from The Fifth Element. Perfect. The guy who kept saying perfect? Yes. I told you. Perfect. All right. 
without him assuming he was this good at his job, they wouldn't have been able to recreate Lilu. It's true. And I just enjoyed his he was one of the characters I wanted to see more about. I just enjoyed his the color with which they painted this character of like thinking she's perfect and this species is so above mm-hmm. all others. It was just a fun character for me that really kind of added a little lot of fun color to the movie for me that I yeah. maybe would have chosen if, if Mr. Kim wasn't such a cool character. Nice, nice. What about you? I want to give a shout out to Vasily from The Hunt for October. Oh, good call. Because anytime that the crew questioned the captain's decisions, he was right there to back up Ramius at every turn. He was like shutting down any dissonance. Really like beyond that, just kind of embodying the reason why they were doing this defection. You know, he had so much hope in him for it all succeeding. That plus, you know, those two together, like you said before, it's a hard pair to beat. He took a bullet in the end. And he did, yeah. He went down a martyr. I would like to have seen Montana. Yeah. Honorable mention, Vasily. All right. Final true hero word question. This is a who wants to be a millionaire style question. Okay. If you knew you were going to be placed in a action movie situation and you had a phone a friend style lifeline where you could have one true hero to call in to come to your aid, to swoop in <laughs> at any moment during your action movie escapade, who would you put into your contacts? Okay, so like I'm in an action movie. Am I a bad guy? You don't know you don't know the format. You just know you will be in an action movie. You don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know what scenario you're gonna be thrust into, you just know I don't know if I'm good or bad. You're you're gonna be good. Okay, I'm gonna be good. You're gonna be good. Who which of the true heroes do I call? Which of the true heroes numbers do you put in your phone as, as you know you're gonna go into an action movie, but you don't know what you're gonna be up against? Ooh. It's a wild card situation, but you know you need to have this one person in your phone to call upon their services at any one point. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, I've, I've got mine. Mathazar. Whoa. Wow, okay. Because he has the entirety of the Thermian race at his disposal and all of their, like, amazing engineering and geekiness <laughs> and, and, and also naivete. <laughs> yeah, I choose uh, Mathazar. What would yours be in that situation? Man. Beat that uh, shit. <laughs> it's too bad when you need them most when you're, when you're trying to bed the action heroine. You call Mathazar for help, and he's like, where is the clitoris? <laughs> I can't find it. I'm kidding. You're married. That would never happen. Um, mine? <laughs> I don't think I'd want to have a threesome with Mathazar either. <laughs> yeah, God. Uh, yeah, you, you would definitely not be calling him at that point. If, if I was thrown into a um, if I was thrown into a, a hentai action movie, I would call Mathazar. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's probably reeled down with those historical documents. Yeah, I bet he is. Boy, honestly, I of this whole list. Let's see here. Wow, it's a, it's down to two for me. All right, it's down to you know I'm just gonna choose one. It's down to the Buick. It's the Buick. You can call the Buick? I'm going to call the Buick. You're calling the Buick. I mean, if I just want someone to come do voluntary manslaughter at my behest, <laughs> that's what I want. I need like, oh, somebody's like chasing me with a pistol. Like if I was in Keanu Reeves' shoes and, you know, chasing somebody down, I just call in the Buick to just come out of nowhere and crash into Bodhi. <laughs> just come out of nowhere, crash to the brick wall and crash into somebody. Or the runner up for me was Winston Havelock. Mm. Yeah, he was that. He was my runner-up too. Just have some 
good old boy waiting to take you on his bi- like uh, his biplane, biprop, biplane, whatever you call it. Yeah, I mean that that would be great to have in your back pocket. But I think having the Buick is maybe a little bit more of a heavy hitter at your disposal at any moment. All right, very nice. I like that was a fun question. Well, that was fun, dude. I'm glad we recapped all that stuff. Yeah, man, it's been good dishing about the dish. I'm definitely gonna have some trimming to do with as much as we've talked today. Speaking of trimming, speaking of trimming, we have thought about changing up our format a little bit to abridge <laughs> the length of our podcast. Boy, that was a smooth segue, man. Do you want to talk about our what's coming up in the next season? Yeah. So we've kind of been hinting about this and mulling about it here and there amongst all of our various high quality 20 hours of pod. You know, we kind of arbitrarily said we'd have 10 episodes in one season. And then the next 10 episodes would be a different decade. And we've actually maybe hemmed and hawed on like, well, maybe we want to just do another 10 90s movies. Or maybe we want to do another 10 80s movies. Or 70s. Or aughts. Who knows? It's really just about, do we want to keep it like a 90s movies thing? Do we want to just do different decades as our email address applies? Dishing through decades at gmail.com. What? Fair point. Where do we want to go? As of now, as we talk about this, we don't we haven't arrived at an answer. Here's my thought, and tell me if you disagree. I think the nineties is a gold mine. And we only did ten movies. I think that we should do another season of nineties. I can get behind that, honestly. Yeah. There are a lot more nineties movies to do as we've heard. There's so many even on our even just on our list of the initial thirty, there are so many that I want to do. We have a lot to add to that too. Yeah, and I think if we step out of this decade right now, then we'll lose a lot of what we've built with like the '90s tropes and things that we can yeah. keep on having fun with. So, my vote at least would be let's do '90s again. Do we ever transition then to other decades? Yes. Okay. I think yes. I figure, you know, we do two, three seasons of '90s. Whenever the time is right, I guess we'll know. I and I'm also going to say my next vote would be. After we do 90s, whenever we do that until we do 80s. For the listener's benefit, Mitch and I had a traumatic experience this past weekend in that oh, we, we watched The Mummy Returns, which is from 2003, and Woof. we were just like, oh God, this is the 2000 movies like encapsulated and this is shit. Yeah. I mean, it was watchable and it was kind of, it was funny in parts because it was so bad, but like overall, man. Yeah, I mean, generally it was a turkey, and you can always have some fun. Yeah, talking about a turkey, but it's just it wasn't a great time. Like the movie itself wasn't great. We had some fun watching it with friends because yeah. we were all kind of razzing it as we watched it. But I ask if we're going to do other decades, not because I don't want to do nineties. I am totally on board with doing more nineties. I've had a blast watching nineties movies and dishing about them. You know, like as our namesake and as we've kind of teased, when will we and will we ever? And I think I think if we do. Maybe another episode or another season or two of 90s, mm-hmm. we can still transition to 80s or yeah. other and other decades and or other decades. There's still so much that we're learning about how to get it out there, how to promote it, and what makes the most sense, what's, what's searchable. We've also talked about another, rather than just what will we watch and dish about, somewhat more of a format change. Do you want to broach this topic? Reluctantly, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have a problem. <laughs> oh, God, that's, that's not why I'm saying you should approach this. <laughs> I have a problem. In some ways, we both have a problem, but it, if one of us is more a problem than the other, it is it is I, in that I get really down in the dirty details with stuff, and it's hard for me not to. 
and we've both agreed that we really enjoy the dish aspect where we like talk about this thing that happened in this scene that we both really liked and we can build on that versus she went on into this room and then turned left. So I think we said strictly no plot notes for the purpose of recapping. Because I know we also talked about doing a, a noteless episode as an experiment, but I think that was an experiment, wasn't it? Oh, okay, maybe maybe it was. I'm down to try no notes, yeah. but I think it's going to be hard to like accurately convey the plot of a movie without any notes. I think it would be fun to try no notes only as a one-off. I'm not saying we should that should be like our main thing. Sure, I sure. Just, almost as like an exercise. Maybe that could be like our next thing and then we could go into major plot points only. So that we can kind of contrast no notes with like what really minimal is truly. Maybe we need an experiment episode for both of those things. Because like as easy as it is to say, let's do an episode with just major plot points. What does that really boil down to? There's no hard line there. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think we should try both those things and then see where we end up. So I know it just sounds like to to podcast experts (laughs) really, really talking details that no one can truly understand. <laughs> that is not interesting at all to, to anyone. But for the record, you're not the only one that's guilty about getting too bogged down in details. I very much do the same thing. It's easy to do. I think the main thing is that yeah. we just don't lose the spirit of what we do, which is like just having fun. Right. And that's that's one of the things I wanted to mention is like this the whole genesis of this stupid podcast <laughs> is us just hanging out and watching movies but just like shooting the shit about stuff we saw or did or whatever. And yeah. we're like, you know, just like the conversation feels organic and great and something we want to share and bottle. Right. And this is kind of that brainchild. And it can sometimes feel like when we just get too bogged down with like, okay, we need to like go through and summarize. We're losing some of that magic Yeah. of just discussing and sharing our opinions and ideas. and But I still think there needs to be some of the recap there because that's where some of the fun is. True. And we've also had friends and listeners tell us that yeah. they enjoy that aspect. In fact, just the other day, Thomas told me that his favorite aspect of the podcast is that he can like listen to an episode about a movie he hasn't seen since the 90s and it's like rewatching it, but as told by a couple of funny guys. And yeah. Like, so I think that means a lot to some people, but I have no idea if it's like worth the length for everyone listen i'm not writing for we don't recap anything at all all i think i'm saying is oh i'm not i hope neither of us are (laughs) it's like if you tell a person for me for example if i'm gonna if i tell myself i'm gonna go on a diet i can't buy snacks because i will eat them i can't let them sit in my pantry because i see them i go have a couple I feel like if we tell ourselves, "Ah, we'll just dish a little bit about the recap, we'll take some notes, then it'll soon devolve into, oh yeah, and then and then she opened the pantry and then she grabbed the Oreos and then she opened the Oreos and then she. (laughs) You mean and then Zach grabbed the the Oreos and then Zach ate the Oreos. I feel like we have no self control with delving into details and really like yes ending and then she did this and that. So I think I'm saying like maybe we should like really try and lay off the recap and it'll it'll happen organically even with that with minimal notes when you say really lay off the recap like don't get caught up in the detail or like let's just try to skip it like what are you what are you vetting for i'm saying we take major plot point notes only uh-huh. like quarter of a page max of 
notes. I'm not, you know, trying to. I'm just saying, like, maybe that's like a guy, a, a goalpost of Can like. We go one page. That is not major plot points. Come on. <laughs> Only recap. Yeah. Like you can have notes of like, okay, this is my true hero. This is the dish because X Y Z. That doesn't count in the word. You moment. don't think that one page is is okay for like. I mean, when you say major plot points, a major plot point could be like, it could be something, okay, I'm about to say a major plot point could be something smaller that happens <laughs> that's important. He's <laughs> okay. grabbing the Oreo. <laughs> Self-aware. Okay. Yeah. I'm willing to try anything. I think this is where the experimental bit comes in, where, yeah, we, where, yeah. where we redefine what is truly major. Yeah. Like we have to have a realignment of like what truly matters for right. recapping a movie. And we may just end up settling back on what we were doing is fine and we just need to be less caught up in the detail and more dishy. Yeah, exactly. That might be all it That's what I'm to. writing for. Not yeah. no recap, just we need to rethink what recapping, how we recap maybe. Yeah. And we need to maybe regressively think how we do that. Sure. I concur. We'll give that a shot. Not sure what movie we'll do with that. We could do a random 90s movie. So we have that list of 90s movies that has had a few chopped off of it now that we've done episodes of them. Uh, I made a Reddit post the other day asking for suggestions for the upcoming season, and I got a ton of responses. I got like, I think like 450 people replied. Yeah, that's crazy. We don't have to go through this right now, but like we have a ton of new movies that were not on the list that we will be adding to the list, probably based on how often they were suggested, perhaps. Yeah. We'll choose the next movie from there. Just to be extra clear, yeah, yeah. we're not choosing right now. We could choose right now, but I have not like gone through all the, That's fine. the Reddit stuff. How about this? Let's have a call to action for our listeners. Okay, yeah. I mean, the whole point of this episode is to think about not only what worked for us, but also what worked for people that listen to the podcast. And there's a lot of very different voices out there, but I think we are constantly appealing to our listeners and people that enjoy hearing us. And so, spoiler alert, there there's probably going to be a bit of a gap between this episode and the next one it's likely i'm going to be out of commission for a week with surgery and then zach's going out of town the next week so we are not going to be recording for a little bit we'll be a little behind i think yeah so there may be a pause between this episode and the next episode which is a great time to hear from you guys and you know i don't know that any of this is truly final write in or message us in one of those social media apps if you have us our email is dishing through decades at gmail.com would love to hear from you. Let us know if, if you are on board with 90s or if you want 80s or if you have movie suggestions or if you really have anything that you know you think we could do better. We'd love to hear from you because we're thinking about how to have more fun and how to let you have more fun if that's even possible. <laughs> Listening <laughs> They're to They're already having too much fun, Zach. <laughs> they need to tone it down. I guess the point is just let us know what we're doing right and if you know anything strikes you as what motivates you for what you want to hear. We appreciate any and all feedback. Don't tell us to go fuck ourselves. I think of the whole, <laughs> out of uh, all 450 comments, I think only one of them was negative, which I feel like. Did they say go good. fuck yourself? No, uh, they said like, I, I was like, hey, any suggestions for movies, blah, blah, blah. We're looking for something for our, our next season of our podcast. Our hit podcast, The Dish. Yeah, our hit podcast, The Dish. And one person was like, absolutely, but I'm not going to listen to a dog shit podcast about it. <laughs> I was like. Damn, you don't even know me, dude. This is somebody on the internet who has problems. But. Yeah, I mean, also... And they got downvoted. It's totally not personal because they don't even know what the podcast is. Just someone being an asshole. Yeah. We had a good time doing this one today. I, I don't think this is a type of episode for everybody, and it certainly helps if you've heard the other 10 episodes that listen to this one. <laughs> 
we probably should have said that in the beginning. So if you've gotten this far, thank you for listening anyway. We appreciate all of our listeners, all dozen or two of them. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. With that in mind, I think this is all we got for you today. I don't know what the final episode length will be, but we're sitting here at two hours and 38 minutes. Nice. Jeez. What's that one, Reed? I saw that like half an hour early. Is it? Our podcast doomsday device reads, oh my God, three hours and 31 minutes. All that being said, after we appeal to our listeners to write in and let us know how we're doing, we also want to thank our listeners for giving us the feedback they have so far and supporting us and making this worth it. Like, we enjoy doing this, but this is a lot of work acutely for Mitch. I just want to, it's true, it it is. But I also just want (laughs) to say, you make it sound like we've gotten emails from our listeners, which don't be fooled. We still need you to do that. (laughs) We have received messages in the form of texts from our friends. I think I've gotten feedback from like one acquaintance, but we would really love to hear from anyone who's listening. We know there aren't many people listening at this point because we're still very fresh. Algorithms are still getting their bearings about how awesome our podcast is. So (laughs) anything you want to tell us, send it our way. And thank you so much for giving us a listen. And with that, We'll see you next time with a 90s movie that we may or may not take notes on. Ooh, nice end, bro. Thanks, dude. Nice end, bro. Thanks, dude. Do, <laughs> that's do, what. Do, 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 that's do, what. Do, do. He no. <laughs> All right, let's stop this thing. Let's stop yeah. this train before it crashes any harder. <laughs> I guess I just to ask myself if I if I die in surgery tomorrow, am I proud of what I've done today? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to ask me to edit the pod. <laughs> I was like, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs>